Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 259, our final episode of 2023. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. This has been a wild one. From the beginning to the end, and even in these final days of 2023, now is a time to stay vigilant. The crew of the guided missile destroyer USS Kearney, operating in the Northern Red Sea earlier today, shot down three land attack cruise missiles and several drones that were launched by Houthi forces in Yemen. This action was a demonstration of the integrated air and missile defense architecture that we have built in the Middle East and that we are prepared to utilize whenever necessary to protect our partners and our interests in this important region. There were no casualties to U.S. forces and none that we know of to any civilians on the ground. Throughout this entire crazy year, we've covered the most important, the most urgent, the most stressful stories in America. We brought you the truth. We kept it real. We kept it independent from Ukraine to Gaza to Washington, D.C. But after all of this, as we get into the final days of 2023 and look forward to a new year, now is a good time to take a big, deep breath. So go ahead and do it with me. Come on. Let's all do it. Ready? Here we go. And to follow on, I'm going to give you a big, deep breath of content. Christmas is over, Hanukkah is over, and Festivus is over. But we're not going to fail to recognize Festivus. Festivus, the holiday for the rest of us. And this is an episode for the rest of us and for all of us with a returning champion, one of the most popular guests we've ever had on this show, returning for a fourth annual Festivus special, the one and only Jason Alexander is back. If you've watched him over the decades, you love him. And you may feel like you know him, but you really don't. And in this annual Festivus Jason Alexander special, you'll learn that the man behind the characters is even more amazing. We love him. We respect him. And after every conversation we have, we admire him even more. Just like the last three times he's joined us. It's the perfect end-of-year conversation and the perfect conclusion to whatever holiday you celebrate. But yes, my friends, Festivus is back, a Festivus for the rest of us. And so is our friend Jason Alexander, the legend, the iconic actor who played George Costanza on Seinfeld, friend of this show, conscience for America, and proud new grandfather. He's an American treasure and an American icon, and I've been honored to call him a friend and to bring him to you multiple times on this show. 
Every guest we've had has shaped America's past, is impacting our present, and is driving our future. And Jason continues to help us understand ourselves, our past, and our future. A future that has a whole new perspective for him after the birth of his first grandchild. He's, of course, known for his role as George Costanza in maybe the greatest television show of all time, Seinfeld. He's got seven primetime Emmys, three Golden Globes, and has won a Tony. And he's truly an inspiring, fascinating, and entertaining man. And every time he joins us on Independent Americans, it's a special year-end gift. My thanks to you, to your friends, to your family, and to our movement. It's one that I hope you'll share far and wide. And as always, Jason will give us hope. And hope is the oxygen of democracy. And we need it now as we end 2023 and go into 2024 more than ever. So welcome to another conversation with our friend, Jason Alexander. Welcome to the end of 2023 and the beginning of 2024. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 250. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! Let's do it then. All right. Festivus is back. I'll get the pole out of the crawl space. Happy Festivus. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world, 2023 has been a complete and total shit show, but we are ending it with fun, with positivity, with wisdom, and with our annual Festivus visit from our dear friend, the great and powerful Jason Alexander is back. (laughs) Welcome back, sir. Great and powerful. Wow. I'm adding that to my resume from now on. <laughs> I think every year you react similarly because this is the this is the fourth time. Yes. Fourth time. And I'll tell you something. I don't think I've done anybody's podcast other than yours twice. So you must have some some secret sauce. That's all I can say. I, I am humbled. I am I am grateful. Uh I, I look forward to it. Our audience looks forward to it. <laughs> Um, but, but it is the season and, and now, can I ask you a question? Can I, 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 you know, you said our, my audience looks forward to it. And that to me sounds like, you know, when a politician says Americans want, and I go, they haven't asked Americans. They don't know what Americans want. How do you know your audience wants? Oh, everywhere. Do you emails. Do you take Every, a poll? Email, emails, Patreon. I have family uh, that stops me on the holidays and says uh, like, that guy is great. I'm so I'm so inspired. My 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 mother-in-law and father-in-law. I mean, obviously, you know, they're a special kind of audience, but I do think that people really look forward to hearing from you, especially because the world is so crazy. Um, and you know, when, when you and I talk, we have real conversations. You've yeah. been great about fatherhood, about Trump, about everything. So people, yes, wow, people you, very much look forward to it. Well, I wish that was true in my family, but God bless 
<laughs> well, I'm I'm happy to, to to talk to them and convince them. We can we can try to do some push polling. Uh, but let let me let me ask you, sir, uh, a belated happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Uh, this will air after Festivus, so a belated happy Festivus. Thank but you. I want to to ask you, as I do every year, where are you and how are you? Uh, I, I'm well, thank you. Uh, I am. I uh, I am currently in my home in Los Angeles after a bunch of traveling. Uh, I was starting to tell you you may hear some knocking and banging and uh, uh, multiple voices in Spanish uh, because once again. We're doing a home improvement project. <laughs> you know, I think the last time I talked to you, we had just finished the, the bathroom in my bedroom, which was a total redo. It took nine months. And much like an actual pregnancy, I remember my wife as pregnant going, we're never doing this again. And then, of course, in the delivery going, oh, I hate you. We're never doing this again. We're never doing this again. And then they give you the baby and they go, oh, I want another. And that's how it worked in my house. We did the bathroom, kicking and screaming. I hate this. We're never doing this again. Hell with these guys. Now, blah, 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 blah. And then it came out really beautifully. And my wife goes, you know, the kitchen could really use it. <laughs> so we have been, literally, we started in the end of May. So what is it, eight months? <laughs> We've been working yeah. on the kitchen. Yeah. And it's it's almost done. We're, they said Halloween. Then they said Thanksgiving. Then they said Christmas. We're hoping for President's Day. <laughs> well, speaking of political responses, that kind of sounds like Trump's wall, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's going to be done yeah. soon. Every yeah. time I talk to you, it's kind of under construction, and, and people just want more and more, and they never quite get finished with this thing. No, and you know, much like that wall and my cooking, it's not really effective. It's not really going to help. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm, I am happy that that that, that the progress continues. Um, I am been been so grateful to see your voice out there on on many issues and your candor and your wisdom because uh, America and the world feels like it's on fire and I've said this to a number of folks but I but I really uh, I want to emphasize it with you Jason I think people just need to hear from people who make sense who have wisdom who have experience um, and and you have all of those things so I mean it's kind of a big question to start with but. Can you tell us, you know, how do you see the world right now? I mean, it's the holiday season. You talk to your grandchildren. Can you help us? And, and I also want, want to reflect on the fact that we we also lost a dear friend, Norman Lear, recently, who I know you posted about. And I was honored to have on this show around his birthday for maybe my favorite conversation ever. I love Norman so deeply. But I would often ask Norman, Norman, what do we do? Where do we go? What do you see? And I feel like we all have to carry a little bit of that legacy forward now in, in honor of Norman. But Jason, the world, what do you think? Well, good. Small topic. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's do it. Um, Paul, your assessment is, as always, spot on. It, there is a lot to be deeply concerned about. Um Many people are frightened. Many people are existentially frightened and see true destruction. There is true destruction going on in the world. We all know that. Um, and real despair and real pain. And all of that engenders a great deal of either hopelessness or resignation. And it's easy to give into that. And I am... Um, 
a student of some people like a gentleman who online, his name is Sadhguru, who I've been taking enormous comfort from and teaching from. And here's what I can tell you. As I continue to talk to people in this environment, what we often forget, <laughs> at the end of the day, all of us want almost the exact same thing. All these arguments, all this crisis um, it is about the, the, where, the division and how we think we can arrive at those same things and our fear that I won't get the thing I want if you get the thing that you want. Mm -hmm. That is at the heart of all of this. So I... I take comfort in knowing that the person across from me in any given conversation with whom I seem to have no common ground, no shared humanity, here's what we both want. We would both like to be healthy. We'd like to feel good in our bodies and in our minds uh, and in our emotional life. We would like to feel um, excited by the prospect of something we get to do, whether that be our work, our play, our travel, our family, our love life, whatever it is, we would all like to feel engaged and excited. We would all like to feel safe, safe in our beds, in our homes, in our property, in our communities, and safer in the world. We would all like to feel seen and respected for something that we do, that we bring something to the table of the world that has value and it gets recognized and we are appreciated. We all want to be loved uh, to some degree, loved and liked and accepted. And the last thing I always put on that list is we all want to be able to go to bed at night feeling like we had a good day. We're not concerned about how I'm going to eat tomorrow, or will I be able to be warm or cool or clothed or, you know, get the thing I need. And that tomorrow at least holds the possibility of being even better than today. We all want that. What we think we need to achieve that may differ. And even when we think they differ, there's similarity. Where most of the disparity comes from is what we think we need to do or create in order to achieve those goals. So I think we may have talked about this before. I had a wonderful conversation with a gun owner in Colorado. Now, I don't own guns, and I'm a big gun control guy. I think that would be a positive thing. This man approached me, and he said, you know, uh, you don't understand what's going on with me and this guy. And I said, well, tell me about it. Why? What, you know, you've got an AK-47 or an AK-15. I can't remember what it is. And, uh, you know, what, tell me about that. What, you know, why do you, why, why is that important to you? And he goes, well, you know, where I live, if something goes down, I call 911. I have no reasonable expectation of anybody showing up for 15, 20, 30 minutes. I want to feel safe in my home and my property. I want to protect my family and my community. This is a tool for me, and it gives me that comfort and gives me that security, and uh, and I don't want you to come and take it away from me. And I said, well, I totally get that. I totally understand that. Uh, and that's a reasonable, you know what? That's a reasonable response. Now, the one argument I might make with you is, you know, I, I don't know why you can't achieve that 
with a gun that is less of a killing machine, but okay, I don't know guns and I don't know your situation. Maybe, maybe you're in a really bad community. I don't know, but I totally understand what you're saying. I said, you know what? I want the same thing. I want to feel safe in my bed, my home, my property, my community. Problem in my community is, first of all, I do have a reasonable expectation if I call 911, somebody's coming. Second of all, there are so many more people packed into such small spaces with such disparities going on in their lives and misunderstandings and all kinds of things that could cause a temporary madness or insanity or rage that these things, the more of them there are, the more dangerous it is for me, not the less. But I totally understand you and I both want to feel safe. And that's our goal, and we should have the right to do that. But we need different things about this. We need different realities about this same thing in order for us to have the same thing. So isn't there, you don't, I said, you don't, you don't want that gun in the hand of somebody who shouldn't have it. You don't want it in a person who's having mental health issues. You don't want it in someone who is mad at the world and is going to take it out on everybody around them. You don't want it in the hands of somebody who would hurt you. You don't want that even playing field. That's not good for you. That doesn't add to your safety. Neither do I. So what can we do? Can we have background checks to see if we can weed out the felons and the domestic abusers and maybe the mental health issues? Can we insist on certain kinds of safety precautions? Can you get a license for that so that you have to prove every year or two years that you know how to handle and secure this very important weapon? I'm sure we can do that in a way that will get you what you need and make the world safer for me at the same time. And he and I walked away as friends and went, man, yeah, right? And I go, so here's the crazy thing. If you and I can have this conversation and find common ground, why can't we elect people who can actually change things who can also have this conversation and find common ground? This shouldn't be this hard. But that's what I mean about if you, if you engage with people you find that at the end of the day, we all want the same things. So when you look at the world, you look at what's going on in our politics, you look at what's going on in the Middle East, all these, you know, unfathomable problems for which there seems to be no real solution. Well, yeah, if you look at it in, in the macro, sure. But when you get it down to it's just people, mm. it's just people who mm. kind of want, at the end of the day, they want the same thing. Wouldn't mm. we be able to find a way to get there? And and in our politics right now, you know, I don't think the Trumpers want chaos. I really don't. I do, I don't think they want the kind of um, potential end of our democracy that is forecasted in a truly Trumpian second presidency. They may be really upset with the institutions and the systems that are here in place now because they're not functioning correctly for them. But I don't think they want anarchy. I don't think they want chaos. I don't think they want to live in an Iran or in a Russia. I don't think that's wired into the American system. Mm. And it's just a question of going, you, you realize this man is, doesn't, care about the betterment of your life. He truly doesn't. If that's a byproduct of the betterment of his life, great. But he only cares <laughs> about the betterment of his life. And I don't know what else he can do to prove that to you. But he does not care about you. I, I Listen, I, I, I'm trying to think of guys who are like Trump light. Even DeSantis, 
who I'm not a fan of, cares more about people than Donald Trump. It would be uh, at least a more reasonable. How about how about Elon? Does Elon care about people more than Trump? You know, so I here's the thing. I don't. You've know been outspoken about Elon too, and and I think yeah. that you know there, there's know there's a common thread here, which I yeah. think is really important, which is leadership. You've been a bridge builder. You've been a peacemaker. You went to the Middle East years ago and worked on on conflict resolution and peace building, but but we've also got this void of of leadership, and we've got so many bad leaders out in front, right? Like so, it has really become in, in fights with Putin and fights with Hamas. It's good versus evil, and and, and clarifying that in, through leadership, I think. Is important, and I wanted to ask you. You know, I want I want you to hit on Elon because I can't have you on the show without talking about Elon, without talking about Trump. But but what you've been great at too is storytelling the humanity and and making things human at a time where it feels like they're not. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. And now, back to our conversation. Have you seen Leave the World Behind, the film on on Netflix? I've not. Okay, so you must watch it. Everyone's talking that's about Ju- it. That's Julia Roberts, right? Is that it's her Julia point? Roberts, right? It's Kevin Bacon. And the long story short is it, it's kind of like um, Israel on steroids, but it's America. Israel was so deep into their own internal conflict, they were susceptible to this massive attack. So in the, at some point in the near future, America is so divided and so distracted that our enemies gang up on us, isolate us, and let us kill each other, right? Yeah. And and the world falls from within, which is to me, it was it's it's such a powerful pop culture piece because it, it felt to me like the day after felt when I was a kid. If my kid saw this, yeah. he would be terrified about this potential reality that we could see happening in the same way when I was a kid, it felt like a nuke attack could happen. We could see, you know, a nuclear winter and all of that. So so I ask you that in part because it, it feels like entertainment is so powerful now and voices from entertainment are so powerful right now. And so many in politics want to be entertainers. I mean, Elon thinks he's a bad guy in a movie. Maybe he thinks he's the good guy. But I guess it's a long-winded way of asking you about the leaders and about the messages and about the leadership that we're seeing. And maybe we can start with Elon and you can take it from, <laughs> from there. Well, you know, I, I, I've been a little about outspoken about Elon. The truth is he and I only kind of crossed swords when it came to <clears throat> the policies on Twitter. You right. know, um, or on X, if you want to if, give him his due. Um, you know, and, and really, we got into a pissing match when I said, look, here's the deal. If you are going to start charging for this and offer nothing, if you are going to start giving, I I worked very hard to get verified in my social media accounts. There's two reasons for that. One is I wanted an audience that cared about hearing from me to know that they were hearing from me. And second was, I didn't want to be misrepresented by somebody else. There's lots of people out there claiming to be me. Uh, I've seen those those phony accounts. Um, and I wanted to have some place where I could go, no, this this one is me. I, I went and got that verified. Right. Now, I, I believe half of what our problem is on social media, and I know this is a controversial um, viewpoint, I, I think everyone should be verified on social media. I think you should be accountable for the things you say out in the marketplace of public opinion. I, I, you know, to me, 
three quarters of the madness going on on our social media is anonymity. It's, it's trolls and bots and people who would never say these things to you if they had to look you in the face and be accountable for it. Suddenly, you know, their inner demons are freed to do this because there is no repercussion. Um, that's a big problem. Um, so my problem with, with Elon was there. I, um, I have heard, I know nothing of this. I know nothing of this. So I'm not making this as a claim. There have been some people who've said that uh, Elon Musk may be on the spectrum, uh, uh, you know, of some sort of not not quite connecting with people the way perhaps someone with an Asperger's or an autism might, you know, and, and that could maybe account for some of the vagaries of, of his behaviors. Um or not. I mean, you know, I don't mean to put that on people. Or he could be a, a sociopathic <laughs> asshole. He could. I, I mean, really, he could. Right. Here's the problem. There's always going to be Elon Musk. That's a guy with a lot of money, a lot of power, a lot of influence. The Elon Musk is a problem. The problem is the system allows Elon Musk to do the worst of him. Yeah. The things he is doing, the, the you know, I'm not worried about Twitter. I'm worried about the fact that how many, what's the percentage of our satellites that are Elon Musk controlled? Does, why would I want to run a government as large as important as the United States of America and go, I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, we'll run our systems through his satellites. We get along. He seems like a good guy. That, what kind of batshit nut job stuff is that? So that's where I worry about Musk. As I would worry about, if Elon Musk was the greatest guy in the world and we agreed on everything, I'd still be worried about that. How can we invest so heavily <clears throat> in our survival, and now it's real survival, in a single individual and, their, and the vagaries of any, any single individual? So uh, Musk is not, uh, you know, it, it, Musk doesn't make me happy. He does not. I, he makes choices I do not understand um, why any person would make those choices. And because of his influence, they're enormous. But ultimately, I don't blame him. I blame the people above him that have enabled him to do the things he's doing. Um, and, 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 I, and I cannot account for those choices. I, I don't understand it. I, I, I think we're, we're pulling at something that is kind of a theme of, of 2023, at least for me. I feel like 2023 was a year where we lost a lot of really wise people. Yeah, We lost so many mentions. We lost so many. We lost Norman Lear. We lost Rosalind Carter. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? And, and at the same time, somebody like Vivek Ramaswamy is, is elevated. Someone like Elon Musk is elevated. Someone like Trump is, is created this spawn of, of Trump, all these other elements. So it, it feels like a time where leadership is lacking and leadership that communicates the importance of all the things you talked about in the beginning about humanity. And, and, and I talked with um, General McCaffrey and General Petraeus about the contrast between Zelensky and Netanyahu. Right. And how I think that's impacting the storytelling component of these two conflicts. But you did what I think was maybe the most important piece of content. I've one of the most impactful pieces of content I've seen about Israel and Gaza. We're all awash in it. Right. And it's been kind of 
it's been dividing America. It's been dividing the world. But you did something very human. You looked at the camera and you said, this is me at nine years old. And this is Ohad at nine years old. He's nine years old. He's a hostage. Let me tell you, let me speak in his voice, which was so powerful. I live near the Holocaust uh, Memorial, where there's is a living history. And the, the storytelling is so important. I have an, an eight-year-old and, and it resonated with me. Can you talk about why you did that? Jason, and 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 how you feel about this um, and the rise in anti-Semitism in America and around the world specifically, and and how you've seen it through your eyes. Um, the Ohad video took a bit of thinking. It really did. I wish I could say oh, it was a, an immediate yes. Um, I would love to be that person. But the reason I had to think it through is because I am, because of my experiences in the Middle East, I am so um, in conflict with myself about what to do, what to say, what to think. Um, a terrible atrocity was foisted upon Israel. And in response, an even potentially greater monstrous monstrosity is happening to the people of Palestine. Um, it is it is near impossible to show some compassion and support to one side without antagonizing the other side. You know, and there, the, the, you're searching for moral equivalencies and you're searching for the words, and it feels like no matter where you put your thumbprint, you're 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 upsetting, antagonizing, alienating a whole bunch of people. And I, I did not want to do that because I feel I have such connection and compassion for both Israelis and Palestinians. Um, I was lucky enough to be invited into Palestine. I have spoken with many, many Palestinians. I've understood some of what the day-to-day -day reality is for them. And I it is so clear to me that Israel has been... Um, has made some horrible mistakes by by continuing to support the leadership of Netanyahu. And of course, Palestine and Gaza in particular have been horribly misserved by putting their support into uh, uh, Hamas. So you're torn. And then somebody says, my nine-year-old son is in the hands of terrorists. And nobody is asking them for their humanity to please let a child go. Would you help us? And I just had to put all those other considerations aside and go, I'm a father. If this were my child, my grandchild, how do you say no? And it wasn't a political message. It was, please, this is a nine-year-old boy. He did nothing to you. He's not part of this fight. Let let a, let a kid go home. He, you've already devastated his life. This is a trauma forever. He will never forget this. People in his family have been destroyed. His home has been destroyed. Let the child go. Um, I could not do that message. <laughs> I couldn't not do that message. So, um, you know, I... There's a there's a paparazzi uh, guy on a block not far from here where I live, and he's actually a really sweet guy. I've talked to him many many times, and you know, 
he came up to me uh, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I was over there and said, Jason, Palestine, Israel. Oh, you know, and I'm going, why, why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? Why, why? You know, he goes, you got nothing to say? You got nothing to say? And I said, look, here's all I'm going to say. And I hope that everyone understands it. When we all love our children more than anything else, more than justice, more than vengeance, more than land, more than blood, more than history, more than tribe, more than anything. When we love our children more than anything else, I think this will stop. But we're not there. Mm. We're willing to sacrifice our children for whatever we think is more important. And I don't know anything more important. Mm. That's all I can say about that. What is happening when you say the, the rise of anti-Semitism, it hasn't risen. It's just been giving a mouth. The, the, the attitudes of people who are espousing anti-Semitism or anti-Islamophobia, whatever it might be, sure. those things aren't gone. They're not gone. You can't have someone who doesn't like Jews, and just because he doesn't mention it on Thursday, he's a good guy, and on Friday there's a rise of anti-Semitism. It has... What has happened is uh, conditions have given people a way to think of it as a righteous statement. Mm -hmm. And there is never righteousness in the condemnation of a group of people um, who are not all involved in the same thing. So to say, I don't like what Israel's been doing for the last 50 years. Therefore, I hate the Jews. Well, I could show you thousands and thousands of Jews who don't like what Israel's been doing either. So what do you got against us? We're, my real response to anti-Semitism in particular is I keep going, again? Still? That's your go-to? Can't you at least get creative? Hate the Albanians for a minute. I mean, you know, why? It's always, we. the Jews are small in number throughout the history of recorded time. We are like such a team, 2%, I think, of the world population at our most flourishing moments. We're the problem with the whole world. We're it. Wow, you guys really have given us a lot of power. <laughs> we are we are the shit, I gotta tell you. And, and I don't get the memos as you know, super Jew. I don't, I don't, uh, nobody's telling me when the next meeting is for world domination. So um I, I actually don't think anti-Semitism is anti-Semitism. I think it falls into the same category as every other kind of alienation that one person or one group of people does to another in order to make themselves feel better about who and what they are and what they're doing. Um, the world is hell. Oh, oh, the Israelis are the problem. The Israelis are occupiers. The Israelis, I, you know, I said to a college student the other day, who was talking about how Israel was formed and what happened to the Palestinians. And I go, well, Listen, I'm no student of history, but I'm not sure everything the way you're clocking it is exactly the way it went down. But let's give you let's give you the benefit of the of the doubt. The Israelis usurped that land with the help of the British and blah 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 blah. Okay, terrible, right? Terrible. So please name me the country that didn't come into creation in the exact same way. I'm waiting for it. And by the one you're standing in uh, is also guilty. So what do we do? How do we? You know, what do you want to do? What do you want the Israelis to do that you're not willing to do because you? friggin' stole this land without anybody going, I decree it to you. 
the way at least Britain did to Israel. You stole this land. You murdered people. You displaced them. You, you know, it was a massacre. And you continue to do it today. And you make virtually no reparations to the people who did. What are we going to do? We have to, we have to deal with the realities we have. There's only one solution to the Middle East. We must have a free, independent, peaceful Jewish state of Israel. We must have a free, independent Palestinian state of Palestine. They must find a way to share their resources. They must find a way to live side by side. They don't have to be friends. They just have to be neighbors who look the other way. That is what I went to the Middle East for back in 1990 and had tried and have been trying to do ever since. It is doable. The people live it. Everybody goes, what are you going to do with Jerusalem? They were living it. There was an East Jerusalem and a West Jerusalem. You knew who was in charge of each side. You went back and forth. You were respectful of each other's thing. It was done. You know, the, 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 the supposedly impossible, the, the impossible um, reckonings that would have to be had to create peace. The people were doing it. The leadership couldn't figure it out. And the, the thing I was working for, one voice was saying, hey, leaders, shut the hell up. The people will do it. We'll get it done. So. Jason, that, 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 that's a point I just want to have to get your opinion on because I think Netanyahu has failed the people of Israel. Um, Trump has failed the people of America. Hamas has failed the people of Palestine. Um, and now, you know, it's up to leaders to try to make sense of this and figure it out. You've been a, 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 a supporter of Joe Biden. You've been an outspoken advocate for Democrats over the years. Can I just get your no shit take on Joe Biden right now? Um, I mean, he's obviously down in the polls. Some want him to drop out. You see somebody like RFK Jr. is now getting 20%. We don't know who the Republican nominee is, but we assume it's going to be Trump. Just as as a... Uh, as, as you, I mean, what's your take on, on Biden right now and, and, and where this is going? I don't know how anyone looks at, meets, talks to, sees the history of Joe Biden, who's made mistakes, but haven't we all, and doesn't think there's a good man there. There's, there's a guy who cares about his country. There's a guy who's been in public service. There's a real human being there, right? So I, on a personal level, I really like Joe Biden. I think he's a good a good egg, you know. I think he's been, in many ways, a very effective president. I think he came in in turmoil uh, with some enormous historic challenges to the survival of our country and has navigated many of them brilliantly. Uh, or his team has. You know, I always, I always, I know a president's just a guy that's got a team. Um, there are some that have been challenges for my entire lifetime that he has not cracked. He hasn't cracked immigration. I'd be happy for the ideas that will do it. Uh, he's actually, under his administration, the inflation rate has dropped quite a bit. But nobody understands how presidents have very little to do with, you know, presidents get nailed with economies, but the truth is, in America, presidents have so little power to, to tinker with the economy and, and, and its results. So I think he's done an admirable job of that as well. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how the world sees 
America through his leadership, but I know that he is standing up to Russia. I know that he is supporting Ukraine. I know he is walking a tightrope of support with Israel. Um, I, I think he's doing a good job as an international leader. Um, could I see him stepping down? Sure. I think the presidency is challenging for a man in his 50s, let alone a man in his 80s. It is it is the hardest job in the world. You see what it does to people. It ages them rapidly. Um, but here's the question I always ask my friends who are, who are saying he should step down. For who to step up? Who's who? Uh, who's that person? I, I, I think we have talent in our party. I think we have tremendous leadership and talent in our party, but they don't yet have the energy, the, 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 the um, sort of existential energy, the knowledge, the, the input, the, the, to get Democrats to vote for them in the national election or to get, forget it, Democrats are going to vote for Democrats most of the time. To get those independents that go, I don't know what to do. I don't know who the Democrat is that comes out of the ether at this moment and goes, that's the guy. It would be like going, maybe, I don't know much about this guy right now or this woman right now, but, you know. So if there was somebody extraordinary waiting in the wings, I could make a case for going to Joe Biden and going, Mr. President, you know, maybe, maybe it's time. But I don't know who that person is. So uh, what I would say to most people who are dubious about Joe Biden is I like his team. I like, I think Anthony Blinken is great. I think Buttigieg is great. I, you know, I, I think Merrick Garland is doing an admirable job. People have some some issues with them, but I think it's an ad, it's certainly an ethical job. Um, I, I do not want. I don't. I actually think Nikki Haley is is a decent human being. I think Nikki Haley is a smart, decent human being. If she were the nominee, I would sleep a little easier at night. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't want Nikki Haley putting another Supreme Court justice in either. I think our our Supreme Court is so has become such a political tool as opposed to a judicial tool that if that goes any further in a politicized direction if we don't find some balance i truly truly fear for uh the country going forward in the next couple of decades so um i agree with you i mean i, I think i think I, yeah i'm pro I'm, I, think, I think you're practical about it and i think yeah. pra- you know, pragmatism is kind of dead in America too. I mean, the reality is Joe Biden is weak and he's old and he's got lots of problems, but he's better than the fascist who tried to overthrow the government. And I, and what I've said is I I think that you're right. Until someone presents an alternative, some people are going to splinter off to third party candidates, especially independents, which could be a challenge. But at the end of the day, um, I think they're going to come home to Biden. I I really do. And and I think that's the question before America right now. And I don't think you know, I'm on cable news and I'm talking to these people that are in the echo sphere, and I don't think they really understand. At the end of the day, people are going to go, yeah, this guy sucks. This guy sucks more. I'm going with this guy. Right? And I talk to, you know, I try to talk to uh, young voters, you know, especially college kids. And I go, look, your, your issues with Biden and the Democrats, are there's validity there. There's no question. And I think you've got some, some fights to fight. And, and you know, you, you've got to create a new crop of leaders. But if it ain't Biden this time, I don't know that anything you do down the road is going to matter at all because you we we have a real possibility, a real possibility of ending democracy as you and I know it. 
Yeah. And I go, hold your nose and vote for the guy who's at least pro-democracy. Be practical. Yeah, this is a time when a lot of young him, people, And then you can you know, start building. You know, a, lot of, a lot of young people, I'd say young people, but a lot of young people are cutting their nose off despite their face. And it's a time for wisdom. It's a time for perspective. So let me ask you a final question. Uh, yeah. Building on this entire conversation we've had, you remember the old um, police song or the sing, Sting song, I Hope the Russians Love Their Children Too, yeah. right? The Cold War song, the great song. I think I think th this point about the children and young people is so critical, and and I want to invoke a little bit of the wisdom of Norman Lear and so many others, and ask you, Jason, for a, a holiday message, a festivist message to the young people of the world from the wise and learned Jason Alexander. What is your holiday message? We're, we're, this will air before New Year, and as we go into 2024, what is your end of year New Year message to the young people of the world? So I preface this by saying that the world has changed for me because I have a 14-month-year-old grandson. A 14-month-year-old grandson. 14-month-year-old. That's how <laughs> that's how I say it. And uh it I I I can't even account for the feelings that are attached to that and how I rejoice and how I worry about what we're handing this little boy. Um, so well, I guess what I would say to the younger folk, you know, it's what I say when I direct sometimes I go, um, don't make a problem, solve a problem. Mm. It's really easy to bitch and moan and gripe about the injustices and the stupidities, um, and the things we get wrong, bitching and moaning and griping makes a problem it makes a problem bigger um to solve it you have to actually do some work and what i fear about more than anything for our for everyone but certainly for younger people who are growing up in this is the empowerment of technology as a replacement for critical thinking and real learning and real engagement I remember, I think well, you and I may have talked about this. When my son Gabe was 14 years old, I saw him in his room on his computer one time, clacking away. And I said, what are you doing, Gabe? And he said, I'm talking to my friends. And I said, do you realize not one word of that sentence is true? <laughs> You're not talking. <laughs> That's number one. There is no, they are not getting your voice. They're not seeing, you know, they're not, because it was not Zoom. They're not seeing your face. They're not really getting you. You're not saying anything, so it's not talking, you know. And your friends, if you, if I put these people in a lineup, would you be able to pick them out? Are they just, you know, something that exists out in the ether of someone you've connected with through this machine? That is a real reality for a lot of young people. You know, they are more concerned with how they are perceived by a multitude of strangers than they are by the people in their immediate community. They are more concerned in some ways about affecting that larger community of strangers, impacting them, than they are about the people in their own community. Um, it, I'm, I love magic. I love illusion. It's an illusion. And if you invest in the illusion, you will find that you have sacrificed reality. It is easy to 
walk in a circle and hold a sign and yell a phrase and say, I've engaged in the political system. And there is power to that. That's a real thing. I'm not, I don't mean to negate it. But really reading about, studying, talking to people who are engaged with an issue, engaged in a system, to go, what are the challenges? What are you working on? Who are you? What is available to us? How can I participate to make something better that requires my real time and commitment, whether it be me working in the field or me thinking beyond a Google answer? If you don't get engaged to that level, if the technology is going to take us to the future, then humanity is gone. When I hear college professors saying, no, 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 we don't allow college students to write a paper through AI, but we do allow AI to do the outline for them. I go, why? Outlining is such a critical part of thinking. How am I going to present and set up my my argument, my presentation, my idea, that is such critical growth for a, for a young mind. Why would you allow a machine to do it? So it is easy to despair if you're a young person. You see a world that is critically challenged. Is there going to be literally an atmosphere 15 years from now? Is there going to be are we going to have land masses? Are we going to have ecosystems? Are we going to have uh, animal, you know, uh, animals and plants to the variety and degree that we have now? Are 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 our jobs going to be replaced by technology? How will we make a living? What will we know is truth? What will we know is lies? Is it literally the Matrix where they're just going in and? entertaining us and letting us yell into the void and thinking that we're alive. Well, all that is possible. Mm. And all of that is preventable. There is a, there's a grand solution for every problem. If you solve the problem, don't make the problem. Mm. Bitching and moaning is making the problem. Finding out how you can work to make something better and stop trying to save the world. Save your block. Get involved with the people on your block. What's going on with them? Or in your dorm or in your whatever, your school, whatever it is. Small chunks. Because remember what I said at the beginning of this. At the end of the day, we all want the same thing. The most essential thing. I want to feel good, safe, seen, respected, and hopeful in my home and my community. That's where it begins. Nice. Those homes and those communities, side by side, Make up the world. Save your home. Save your community. Get involved. Get engaged. Don't let the machines do the work. Don't believe everything you hear. You know, Google gives you the most popular answer, not the right answer. Mm. You got to dig. And the world, I actually believe, I really do believe, 25 years from now, if I'm alive to see it, we're going to be in a great place. I, I think a lot of what we're getting is the dying off of the 20th century, which really does not resemble the 21st century. The children of the 21st century are going to take it where it wants to go and where it needs to go. We're kind of holding them back a little bit. But I believe in the kids. I think they are honestly the light. 
I think my little 14 month year old grandson <laughs> um, is part of that light. And I'm going to give them and him every bit of resource and every bit of myself that I can to empower them to light that light and lead the way. Mm, thank you. That is a perfect message to to conclude Hanukkah and Christmas and the year and go into a new year. Your, your wisdom and your energy and your love um, is, is so valuable and appreciated and celebrated and contagious. So you are always the perfect guest to end the year and start a new one. Um, I am so grateful for everything you've shared with us and everything you do. Thank I hope you'll come back next year. Maybe the construction will be done by then. Uh, <laughs> Paul, I'm just going to tell you, first of all, all that back to you. And, and you know, you can air this or not air this. The reason I'm on your show as often as I am is I truly adore you as a human being. And I so admire and respect what you put out in the world. Um, you, you, are, you are one of my personal heroes. And the fact that you call on me like this and 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 think so highly of me is is so flattering and so rewarding to me i truly adore you i wish all the good things back to you and your family and your audience and um what can i say brother i, I salute you and i thank you thank you for all of that my friend i love you back and um i, I i've been thinking a lot about norman and and his life and his example i think he would be very happy to know we've had this conversation and we're sharing it and we're sharing the light um thank you for all you do my friend very very happy new year happy festivus and stay vigilant until next time serenity now <laughs> Every time I talk to that man and I hear that man, I feel better. And I hope he makes you feel better as we end 2023 and look ahead to whatever comes next. Because as he has on every visit to this show and as he has throughout his life, Jason Alexander shows us what it means to be a helper. Always look for the helpers. There, were, there will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. If you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. The helpers have been out there all 2023, and they will be out there again in 2024. I want to thank all of you for helping make this show possible, and especially to our Patreon members who have been helpers throughout 2023, and they're going to power our brighter future. If you're not a member yet, you can still join. Get an end-of-year special at independentamericans.us. You can also check out video of my conversation with Jason. That's also on our YouTube page. And you can watch or listen to all our episodes from throughout 2023. Twenty twenty four will be full of independence and our movement because we are the future and we're not alone in our independence. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jason Alexander and all the shows we created throughout 2023. If you did, please share them far and wide. 
and help celebrate the end of this year and the beginning of a new one. And invite others to declare their independence as 2024 becomes the year of the independent Americans. And stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom and hope is the oxygen of democracy. And that will definitely be the case in the new year of 2024. No, you're not alone in your vigilance. We've all been vigilant all 2023, and we're all in this together to end the year into 2024 and beyond. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening all year long. Down with Hamas. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraine. Stay vigilant, America. And Happy New Year. And Happy Festivus. Just media.